Hello and welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Doman. And I'm Stephen Craig. So this week, uh, I guess we're not going to uh, introduce this whole area, are we? Uh, we probably should. The, uh, the audio quality you're hearing is probably quite a bit better than it has been in the last couple episodes, thanks to uh, Josh Moore at the pharmacy, uh, a local recording studio. So uh, the Macrofab Engineering Podcast is growing up. Yeah, this place is really, really interesting in terms of the... Uh all the equipment kind of scattered about, and yeah. Well, apparently it used to be a pharmacy here in Houston and uh, converted into a recording studio. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So uh, this during this week, I've been working on the uh, XY platform, and we had decided to co-name it the same machine. Same? Same. It, the semi-automatic inspection machine. Half my job here at Macrofab is coming up with cool acronyms. Uh, sure. <laughs> So I got most of the uh, the uh, chassis designed today, and uh, going to be ordering all the parts from Open Beam. Uh, didn't you already order a couple parts from there? Yeah, I ordered some parts uh, to test out their their V Groove system for for all the railings. But I'll be actually ordering all the rest of the parts um, probably on Friday tomorrow when this. Yeah. Uh, oops, I dated it. Um, <laughs> dated the episode already. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna be ordering tomorrow morning when this episode comes out. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, it's got some pretty cool... Uh, I'm using their C-beam, which should be really, really rigid. and uh, No problems with racking or anything like that? Yeah, it shouldn't have any problems with racking and, and twisting. Awesome. And uh, most of the code for the uh, macro PLC controller is pretty much done. Um, we can send serial commands from the PC over to it, and then it, it interprets, uh, or interprets that and... Uh, does what it needs to do move the steppers around and all that crazy stuff so pretty much when everything comes in it's just a matter of building some adult legos and getting stuff moving yeah um allen wrenches and and a chop saw awesome so uh what have you been working on this week this week has been a little bit of a mixed bag but uh i've been doing uh, a bit of work on my uh, fx development board which is uh what what is that man it's a uh an audio uh electronics development platform uh, basically, if you're into audio electronics, guitar effects building, amplifiers, synthesizers, uh, I have a board that, that has all the correct peripherals, all the development tools that you need, power supplies, all the connections, all in one platform, in one location. Uh, so I've been kind of getting things geared up for that to release here soon. Yeah, and you've been uh, testing the power supply for that too, the uh, front end of that. Yeah, yeah, I've been trying to get, uh, I basically did a cross-section of, of what what uh, power supplies are needed across guitar pedals, guitar amps, synthesizers, and basically made a power supply that can suit all of them, all on that dev, uh, one dev board. Yeah, it was a pretty interesting design because you're doing a negative rail on that too. Yeah, yeah, the synth guys, they got to have that plus minus 15 or they'll start complaining. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all, all audio guys complain. Yeah. <laughs> so that in the recording studio. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, I guess that's what, uh, there was something else that we were working on this week. Um, we had, we did a little bit of work on the super simple power supply, just a little bit, but not too much. Yeah. We're still looking into getting rid of, uh, getting rid of all the heat that that thing produces. Yeah. I think, uh, next week we're going to be tackling getting rid of the heat and we're going to make some, uh, make some basic rudimentary water blocks and a water cooling setup just to dump it. And so we can actually test these 
these op amps without uh, melting the vinyl on our on our desks. Yeah, the, the the longest time I turned the op amps on was about a second and a half, and they got pretty hot. They were pretty toasty. <laughs> okay, I guess we'll just go ahead and uh, move into our rapid fire opinions, which is what we're going to call this segment now. Not questions anymore. Not questions because they're not really questions because we yeah <laughs> we we turned them into opinions real quick. Real quick. All right, so earlier this week, there was an article I saw on Hackaday about uh, selling CAD prints that are uh, basically people downloading prints from Thingiverse and then selling them on eBay after they print them up. Yeah, I was reading that actually earlier today. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? So from what I gathered from the article is when you upload stuff to Thingiverse, you give up all your rights. That yeah, that's what it that's what it looks like. You know, um, is it is it you give up all your rights and does that does it have any kind of commercial clause in there? I think I think it does. I think it it explicitly states that it is basically an open project once you've put it up on okay, Thingiverse. Okay, so there's, there's no uh, there's no non-commercial clause in there. It's all open. That that's what it looks like right now. Okay, so I guess if that's the case, um, people need to read licenses more often than. Well, stop yeah. getting butthurt about it. <laughs> I think I think the biggest thing that that the the question here is is less of a legal question and more of an ethical question. Did they since they didn't design that themselves, should they be taking that design and profiting off of it? Well, I I personally don't think there's anything wrong with it morally um or ethically. Um I think you should be able to as long as I, I think actually what it needs to be is the licensing on Thingiverse need to be more clear. Yeah, prob- least, probably more explicit. Yeah, more explicit. It's about- ca- kind of like open hardware. If if you put something out there, anyone can make it. Yeah, anyone can make it. Um, it's actually interesting. Um, like you, you, you know, Creative Commons or something, a licensing like that that actually covers hardware. Because um, most people just slap you know MIT on it and say that's good, but technically that only actually deals with software yeah yeah well it also it also brings up the question why are you posting the thingiverse in the first place oh if you don't want anyone to copy your design right right if you're posting up there and it's just wide just out in the open for anyone to do it is it just a is it just a cool thing for anyone to print or or what i mean it's got to go through your mind you know you spend 800 hours making some cool 3d anything and then you put it up there it's got to go through your mind that somebody's going to take yeah, it yeah someone's going to actually take it and, and print it i guess what people want to make it so that other people can print it and not profit off their own work without any kind of kickback and thinking about it like that is that's just the original designer being lazy on not profiting off it themselves yeah I'm not sure it, it goes to a matter of them being lazy. They might just, you know, they might have be an artist at heart and just want to share their 3D thing with the world, right? Oh yeah, yeah, I can see that. So I don't know, but I, I think I think I agree with you. This is this is a matter more of you got to read that license agreement before you go and start sharing your stuff everywhere. Yeah, or um, Thingiverse. Actually, I can't remember what licensing they release everything under. Creative Commons, I is it Creative Commons? Yeah, Cause, it is. Because Creative Commons does have a non-commercial tack on that you can add, and maybe if Thingiverse would just have that as a checkbox where you can say, I want to upload my design, but I don't want anyone to sell it on eBay, check this box. But how do you prevent that? Well, so the only way to get around that, I think, is basically you have to sue the person. <laughs> <laughs> is Thingiverse going to go around suing well, everyone no, on eBay? Thingiverse doesn't have to sell it. It's the original content creator. 
would have yeah. to sue that person. And if you don't want anyone to profit from it, then you just kind of can't release your item then. Yeah, but you know how that goes with uh, with counterfeiting stuff in China. It just You sue the company, and then three days later, they pop up as another name. Yeah, they, it's a whack-a-mole. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, and then uh, earlier this week, I think it was on Tuesday, we were... Uh, Looking through uh, Mauser and DigiKey and actually realizing um, like the differences between those two two providers of parts, distributors of parts, and how different their interfaces are from each other, where they actually do the same thing as in you order small volume parts and they show up at your door. Um, so, what do you think about? Uh, what, well, actually, how about this? Which website do you like the best? If it's just Mauser versus DigiKey, yeah, Mauser versus DigiKey. And then you can throw in if you like some other site better. Okay, okay. So when it comes down to purchasing parts, those are probably the first two that come to mind. Yeah. Uh, for for pretty States. much everyone. Yeah, you're right, for the, in the States. Uh, but, I mean, they, there's what? Element 14, Newark, Farnell. Well, those are all... Jameco. Well, those first three are all one company. Right. It's right. Just depending on where you're at. It's Element 14 in the States, and it's Farnell in, in, in the U.K., Right, but 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 in terms of the titans, you could oh, say yeah, titan. it's gonna be it's gonna be Mauser and DigiKey, and yeah. and I think the deck is a little bit stacked for me on this. I'll, I'll be honest, I think Mauser just just completely obliterates DigiKey. I I think I well yeah, it's stacked against because of where Mauser is. Mauser is here in Texas, right? And so when we order parts, they come in the next day, ground shipment. I've I've ordered parts at seven o'clock at night on like a Tuesday and had them before noon on a Wednesday with standard shipping. Yeah, it's kind of stacked, but I guess we're not talking about that. We're talking about their interfaces. Well, okay, still still, I hold my position. I think Mauser's interface is cleaner. I think Mauser's interface gets you to your parts faster, and and uh, their um, filter system is just awesome. It just... I, I know what I want, and I can zero down to it in no time flat. Yeah, their attributes seem to be a lot um, more organized also, uh, and more th explicit. Their site looks a lot more polished, and, and I know that most of the time engineers really don't care about that, but, but in this case, it just looks cleaner. Yeah. Um, one thing I really like actually about DigiKey is actually I will shop for connectors mm. and switches on DigiKey because DigiKey actually takes pictures of the parts yeah it they wouldn't take a picture of a resistor too that's like the exact resistor that you're buying yeah whereas mauser pretty much just uses what the manufacturer that part gives them yeah and they and have a warning it, it, it the part may not look like this yeah yeah and so when when the, the, the thing about buying connectors is you really want to look at it first yeah before you even say anything else about it you you want these amount of connect uh, connections in it yeah. And then it needs to cover, uh, you know, it needs to carry this amount of current, and then all you care about is what it looks like at that point. <laughs> well, yeah, and then there's then there's aspects like if you have a key or something like that, or if if the rows are offset or something weird like that, you want to be able to see that. Yeah, you want to see connectors that. are the weird thing where they like if you if you're buying an IC and you buy an SOIC package, you know it's going to be an SOIC package. There's, yeah, they, I don't I don't ever worry about that. But but with a with a connector or a switch or something, I want to feel it. I want to touch it. I want to see it. I want to look yeah, at and, it. And you really don't really care about what like a resistor looks like or what the IC looks like. Yeah. Because um, some resistors are 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 black or there's some that are blue. Yeah. Uh, I'm talking surface mount parts. Yeah yeah yeah. Um. Well, same with through hole. 
Yeah, same with through hole. Um, like metal films can sometimes be like gray in color. Yeah, the body instead of the uh, the cheapy uh, thick films, which are composite and what Manila colored, I guess. Mm. Whatever color that is. Um, I don't know. One thing I've noticed though, uh, DigiKey just completely beats Mauser out in terms of their stock of ICs. Uh, that's I guess I should say that this is my. Um, what I've noticed about them. They they tend to have more stock of the weird ICs that I'm looking for, whereas Mauser's like, yeah, sure, we'll get them for you if you order a 1,000. Yeah. And also, it's really good. We'll go back to the attributes is um, when you're looking at a part on, like, let's say a resistor on, on Mauser, yeah. and you need to find, um, like, an O... You need, and then you go to your next part, so to speak. Yeah. And so you, you want an 0805 that's this current rating, and... Um, that that ppm but you need a different resistance so in digikey you have to go all the way back a couple spots to get to back to the calcul the uh parametric search right whereas in mauser you just select you just checkbox all those attributes and hit show similar and then it'll just pop up with all the resistances again yeah so yeah, you only yeah. have to select one thing again which is really nice when you're trying to find similar parts. Yeah, if you if you have like 80 different values of resistance on your board, and in general you want them all from the same manufacturer, it, you can go real quick getting all those all those different guys. Yeah, see, when I'm trying to do that, I actually just like look at I will download the data sheet. Yeah, and just look at how they build their part number. Right, and, and then change or, 104 to 105 or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little faster. You know, and and another thing, Mauser puts the data sheet. Like right next to the part, a picture, and mm-hmm. it's it's off on its own. Because he, he, if I'm searching for a new part, what's the first thing I want to look at? I want to pull that data sheet up. I want to look at that. I want to see what's what's there, and I want to get there fast. Uh, that, that's that's something that uh, actually Parker and I talk about a lot about stuff. Engineers don't want fluff. We we don't no. we don't want a bunch of extra stuff on your website. Just get us to what we want and get it to it fast. Yeah, and. Uh, DigiKey has has the their um, has the data sheet right right beneath all the information. It's usually the first thing in their little uh, array of cells there. Yeah, usually. But it's says, a little bit buried. Mauser's, I know exactly where it is. It's always in the same spot, and it's just, that's my data sheet. Yeah, on DigiKey, I think it's like it'll actually have a URL for the picture. Yeah. and then something else, and then it says data sheet. Yeah, and if there's like errata or anything else, they kind of stack it together in a list. Yeah. Whereas, Mal- actually, that's true. Is Mauser doesn't have any of that stuff. Uh, they do. Mauser is harder to get to. Down at the bottom of the page, there's some tabs that's like extra information. You have to uh. you have to look for that, which can be a trap. But it's one of those things where the data sheet is 99% of what you want, and then that extra one percent you can go hunting for. Yeah. Um. Good word word of wisdom is uh, if you're looking for like at a new microcontroller, don't look at the don't look at the data sheet first. Look at the errata first. Oh yeah. See what what they actually had to change, and then see if that's like uh, going to affect your project in any way. That 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 could be shoot. We could do like ten podcasts on picking a microcontroller alone, just with with all the traps that are in there. Ah, uh, picks on. <laughs> microchip <laughs> yeah 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 in fact uh, we were doing um we we're doing a project what a couple months ago two months ago three yeah. months ago something like that where we used the pick and it nothing was working the everything was solid the whole circuit was fine yep and it just was not working and and parker was just digging through the through the whole uh, uh data sheet and it was like a note somewhere right? yeah it was like a little footnote 
like on like page 86. Yeah, <laughs> one little page. footnote, and it's like, oh, geez, if you don't follow this one little line on page 86, your then... whole port A doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, no, it was ridiculous. <laughs> uh, so watch out for that. It's it's tough. You you pretty much have to read through the entire data sheets. That's that's why FPGAs really scare me because oh. I don't I don't have time to read you know 900 pages. Yeah, um, I I actually do a lot of FPGA development, and I have not read most of the data sheet yeah well that's i said that's why they scare me yeah most of the time is um as long as you you're pretty tame in terms of what you're doing yeah you don't have to worry too much about what's going on inside the fpga it you let the compiler do its magic yeah and then it works come on you don't you don't want to take it to the extreme (laughs) (laughs) very good yep well i think that will uh wrap up this week's uh macrofam engineering podcast I'm your host, Parker Dolman. And I'm Stephen Craig. Catch you all next time. Take it easy.